The Adam Crowley Show. Sidney Crosby got rubbed by the glove on power play. And they're... Did I say rub? You guys looked at each other like I said rub, didn't yeah, you? And then you added by the glove. Oh, you got rubbed by the glove? You're going to have to yank that one, Tom. Please go ahead and pull that for me. Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. You found the Crowley Show, where your mom listens, and you should too. 412-922-2874, the number to call. Or you can join the cast of dozens and follow me on Twitter, at underscore Adam Crowley. Brian LaMartina sitting across from me, shirtless Tom behind the glass. Tell your kids, tell your wife, we're doing radio up in here. Puck drops on the Penguins season tomorrow. The Capitals <sighs> raising the cup banner tonight against Boston. F both those teams. Oh, I'm, I'm still going to watch. Colby Armstrong will be joining us every Wednesday now throughout the Penguins season. Fired up about that. He joins us now. Colby, what's up, man? What's going on, guys? Thanks for having me. Looking forward to the season. I'm fired up, man. This is going to be fun. You're going to get sick yeah, of me I... eventually, I think, probably, though. <laughs> Every Wednesday, just dreading it. Yeah, it's just the, the lead up is going to be worse, and then the after effects probably not going to feel that good either. Uh, Colby, before we get into the Penguins, Tom Wilson suspended for 20 games. Uh, I say about time, but maybe, maybe actually a little bit too late. Um, but 20 games, though, I do think sends a clear message. What do you think? Yeah, you know, oh, big time. And, and and the reason why is because he's his fourth suspension in 105 days or so. I believe they reported on the on the league video and suspending him. So huge repeat offender, huge guy that plays on the line and has crossed the line too many times. Uh, look, I, I, I know here in Pittsburgh, you know, the fans don't like Tom Wilson. You'd like him if he was on your team. But a guy that definitely... Uh, is paying the price now for, for crossing line too many times. And you know what, guys? I honestly think that with this suspension, there's been uh, you know a lot of arguments like, oh, and just in the hockey community, why don't players protect themselves in certain areas? Uh, a helpless, defenseless player, oh, no, and, and he's cutting into the – they call that the trolley tracks where, where Sunquist was on, cutting through the middle. And you'd think you'd have your head on a swivel. You'd think you'd be looking around. And this suspension right now, although it is heavy and although it sends a huge, clear message, completely should end the argument that the guy with the puck has any kind of responsibility yep. to protect himself. And it's totally the guy that's making the hit. Guys have to know that if they're going to be willing uh, to be reckless and to throw their body in there or to come in reckless, that if one false move happens, it's nothing on the player. I, I, don't, I, I certainly believe that. Yeah, it's victim blaming, and I mean everyone out there should have respect for one another. Was there ever a player that you were up against, Colby, where you thought maybe this guy doesn't have any respect for me out there? <laughs> no, I didn't think that. Like I knew, like hockey's a physical game. I, I mean, it's you know we see it in football right now too, and, and and protecting the quarterbacks and guys doing their jobs trying to get out to the quarterbacks. And there's been some you know suspect you know calls in that regard as well with new rule changes and guys adjusting and maybe overreacting, but, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a place in, in these sports now that are contact sports where players have to do their job, but at the same time, the, the game is changing and the rules are changing, uh, and guys have to really be, you know, mindful of it. It's hard when you're playing a game and you're a Tom Wilson-like player where it's when he got to the NHL, the only way he got there is, yes, he's an effective player. Yes, he's good for their team. He does a lot of really good things. But at the same time, he's there 
here because he's been Tom Wilson his whole life. And now you're trying to put a collar on him and not have him uh, be a caged animal and play that reckless Tom Wilson game. Is he going to be more effective? Is the game going to be the same? Are we protecting players? Yes, and they should be. It's very important, but at the same time, it will affect it will affect certain players. It will affect the game. Colby Armstrong joining us here on the Crowley Show. Uh, Colby, were you ever on the same team as Matt Cook? You guys together? No, I didn't. Just I just played against him. You know when I was on the ice, I was playing for the Thrashers. You remember when Evander Kane knocked him out? Yes. Oh man, that was that was like one of those moments where it's just like oh ugly. But uh, I mean, Evander on our team was 18 years old at the time, and and Cook wanted to go home, uh, and uh, yeah, he ate that one pretty bad. It was pretty ugly, and it's like one of those sick feelings when you see a guy really get stunned or hurt like that. Um, and but yeah. Another guy who had to curtail or kind of, you know, change his game at least openly in the media, talk about changing the way he had to play and kind of have a coming to Jesus moment with the way his game is and, you know, how he is on the ice. And I think we're here with Tom Wilson as well. It's kind of the same Matt Cook situation. Is there an acknowledgement, and I know you guys did not overlap, but would there be an acknowledgement if a guy in your locker room did something like that, uh, was always leveling these kind of hits where... Uh, some of the leadership sits down and says, hey, man, you, you, there's a line there. You could play up to the line, but you don't want to cross it. Yeah, you know what? I think I think as a teammate, I think, you know, obviously you feel the effect of a, of a impact player, Wilson, playing on the top line with Ovechkin. Um, and Kuznetsov, a guy that was a big force for them through the playoffs and winning the Stanley Cup. Um, you know, I'm at, and he's on the leadership group. Like, this guy's been there a long time for them, and, you know, he's earning $6 million a year for them on a big contract. Like, this guy is part of their uh, part of their leadership group, part of their big-time part of their core. Uh, and I think a situation where I think the guys on their team love him. Like, I met him the last couple of years just doing this, you know, media stuff now, and I didn't know him before. And just, he's a really nice guy. He just plays a certain way, and, he, and that's all, like, the way he knows how. But I think as a group, you know, he knows that he can't be missing that many games. He knows he has to play on the edge, but it's, it's for him personally finding it, and I'm sure he's going to be told by his coach, his GM, uh, and a few of the guys, like, listen, you're, you're important to us. We need you. This has to be the last time that this happens. Uh, I know you're effective with the way you play, but we have to find something for you. We have to find a, you know another option inside of your game that you can still remain effective but not end up in these situations again. About halfway done with this so far, Colby. I mean, you good? Are you annoyed by me yet? We, we no, passed that I line? It. I okay. love it. That guy's a beauty. <laughs> That's shirtless Tom. He might be the one that really bothers you uh, eventually <laughs> uh, over the course of the year. Uh, Colby Armstrong joining us here uh, on the Crowley Show. Uh, looking at this Pens roster, uh, for a guy who loves the Penguins like me and, and the entire city of Pittsburgh, I mean, just looking at the roster makes you want to drool. Yeah. Uh, there's so much depth there. We were talking about it a little bit before you came on that depth is so important, but it's also about the, the key players having to play well in the playoffs, too. But when you look from top to bottom, I mean, they've been deep before. I mean, this is as deep as they've been, I think. Yeah, I think so. You know what? And, and you know, maybe Penguins fans are just used to the fact that their team, you know, that they've, they're the longest-running NHL team to make the playoffs um, in a row right now. After Detroit didn't make it, I think it's 12 or 13 years now in a row. Um, you know, they've they have a chance, it seems like, almost every year, and I think we're conditioned to the fact that they're just going to be good. Uh, but after back-to-back cups, kind 
of you know a year where we were kind of waiting for them to wake up and and get going, and it just looked to be you know a team that had run out of gas a little bit. That was a lot of hockey that they've played, um, and now coming into this year, all the talk is about Tavares and Toronto and Tampa Bay's, like just like just in the East, and I think the Penguins are kind of floating under the radar. Look, I have been watching them, you know, being around them, the uh, excitement for this year, how refreshed they are. And another thing that's super important on guys that have gotten it done, the core of this team, uh, you know, those young, fast legs that they're bringing in, uh, also and some old legs and Collins that I think would be a big, huge part of this team. But they're, they're refreshed, but they're hungry. Like, they're hungry again to go after it again. And you talk about windows in sports, and, you know, for this Penguins team, this is a window that's wide open for them here in the East. And a team for me right now that's flying under the radar in the hockey circles of people talking, and not, not right up there near the top of a team that can contend to win a Stanley Cup coming out of the East. So uh, I'm excited about this season. I think the Penguins fans should uh, be ready to strap in for for another fun year with the Penguins. Colby, as a guy who knows Crosby and, and this team, how much to heart do you think that Sid and Gino and those guys take it that the Washington Capitals are raising the banner tonight? I mean, do, does it hurt at their core, do you think? <laughs> I think, uh, you know what, someone's got to win it. And, you know, that everything came together perfectly for them. The Penguins, those guys know how it works. Those guys know when you have to peak at the right time um, and, and have everything go right. And, look, they've, they've had their number how many years in the playoffs, their entire career. These young guys, like, they broke in just beating Ovechkin, you know, Malkin and, and Sydney, And, you know, they got the best of them last year. And then that's coming off the back-to-backs. And, and, and yeah, it's a, it's a big divisional rival and yeah it's uh you know been a big personal you know early rivalry between these two and, and Crosby and Ovechkin but at the same time somebody's got to win it and I think it just makes them more hungry I think it I don't think they you know do think about it that much to be honest I, I know some of these guys don't even want to play off hockey when they're not in it it just drives them nuts so I'm sure it'll be a motivating factor I'm sure it'll be uh, something that they're looking at uh, it'll help the rivalry that much more, I think, between these two teams this year. Um, and I think it makes them it makes them more hungry to want to get back after it and have that tough back here in Pittsburgh. I brought this up on Twitter today, and I got bitch slapped by Penguins fans for it. So bear with me here. Okay. Uh, Phil Kessel, Derek Broussard, Chris Letang, Matt Murray. I think that they all, in one way or shape or form, need to bounce back from last year. I don't know if Phil Kessel had a great season. People jumped down my throat for that. I know it was great. In the playoffs, he wasn't. I think injury had to do with it, but I still think he needs to bounce back. Of those four guys, if you had to rank them in order of you think how good that they could be this year or the likelihood of their ability to bounce back, how do you think you'd rank them? I think all four of those guys that you listed are obviously key parts of this team, but all guys that I think watching them so far through camp are guys that are expected for me and just watching them will bounce back. Look, Murray, injuries, uh, family issues, his father passing away. Who wants to go through that? Don't wish that on anybody. And coming back and, and trying to mentally and physically play through through what he went through. Uh, obviously a guy that we, we know can bounce back. You know, we know he's the number one uh, goaltender in this league. Um, Kessel, 90 points, injuries through the playoffs. Uh, that's what's speculated. Um you know, will he be there again? I think so. I think he's a guy that can produce, and he's going to be there again. He's an elite player in this league. Broussard over here from a team that did the trap, not used to the Penguin speed game, a guy that we were wondering what's going on. Injuries as well. He's healed up, looked good through pre 
preseason. All right. Latang and Hockey are a little bit too. Uh, injuries coming back off neck surgery look great through preseason. So I think all four of those guys that you mentioned, can they bounce back? Yes, they can. They're elite players uh, in this league. Um, and, and they're healthy and they're rested. So, uh, you know, everything point is pointing for me with those guys uh, to having good years and good bounce back years here for the Penguins. Colby, great stuff, man. Uh, looking forward to doing it every week, and I, we'll talk to you on Wednesday next week. All right, sounds good, boys. Thanks for having me on. Looking forward to the year. Be good. That's Colby Armstrong. Uh, he'll be doing a lot of stuff with the Penguins Radio Network. He does all kind of stuff in Canada. We love him. He'll get annoyed with us eventually. Coming up next, the Penguins don't need to win anything else for the Crosby era to be a success. But it doesn't mean that they look at it that way. It's a Crowley show. But I... The Adam Crowley Show. Came through driven. Came through driven. Came through driven. That was on my wrist tape. Driven with eyes. Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. I will make more money at my job this year than Tom Wilson. Suck on that, you head-hunting son of a bitch. Tom Wilson is being suspended for 20 games. The suspension will cost him $1,260,162.60. His salary this season is only $1,100,000. So, I'm making more money than him this year. That being said, he did just sign a $5 million signing bonus on July 1st, but he ain't going to be getting that cash week in, week out this year. Tom, you're making more than him. I know. Isn't that insane? How's he going to get by living that eccentric lifestyle that he had planned on living and now 20 games pulled right from underneath him? Can't do it. See, this is one of those circumstances where the suspension and the fine money actually does make a difference. You see it all the time in the NFL, and it's $10,000 here, $5,000 here. You nickel and dime these dudes to death, and they think, find me. It doesn't hurt until you suspend me. That money don't do shiz to me. But when you've made $5 million in lump sum, right? Taxes are going to take a bunch of that money, and then you're going to get fined $1.2 million or lose $1.2 million of your cash over the course of couple months man that's really gonna hurt you and i do think that this is going to make tom wilson change his game now it will make him a less effective player there's a fear factor going up against that guy there has to be right when i was playing baseball as a kid and yes i know i didn't play hockey at a high level i didn't play baseball at a high level but when you're playing baseball as a kid and someone comes out and they're throwing 65 miles an hour and they're a little wild you don't care so much If they're throwing 65 and they're painting corners, you don't care at all. If they're throwing 75, I don't care if he's painting corners or not. You're a little bit worried about it. Tom Wilson's out there running people. You're aware whether he's on the ice or not. If he's not running people, it takes away from the fear factor. There's no doubt about that. He can still be an effective player, not as effective of one. But I think this is one of the rare circumstances where coming down on a player is actually going to affect the way he plays because the money is actually substantial to him. 
So the NHL Department of Player Safety did a good job. That being said, I ain't going to commend them because they should have done this before. They should have done this before. 105 games it's been, and he's been suspended four times. Three times within that 100 or so games, 90 or so games at that time, he had been suspended, and yet they didn't do anything enough in terms of throwing the book at him. Some of this blood, some of this Oscar Sundquist blood, his future CTE, his current concussion, is on the hands of the NHL player's safety. Because this son of a gun... His average annual value for his contract is $6 million a year. Had this happened before, where you're taking a mil point two away from him, I don't think Sunquist is getting his head bashed in. I think his head is still attached to his shoulders right now. I must commend Tom Wilson about this, though. He puts his head, shoulder, upper body, into the head of Oscar Sundquist, spins and slashes the closest possible St. Louis blue. When you go to a movie and you know Robin Williams was in it before he died, you knew Robin Williams was going to be funny. I watched this horrendous movie the other day, Love What Matters maybe is what it was called, something like that, and it was awful, but Robin Williams was in it and he was hilarious. You expect Robin Williams to be funny. You expect a certain thing. You expect that character to live up to Robin Williams. If Jim Carrey's in a movie, you expect that movie to have a certain level of comedy. A certain level of physical comedy. When Mel Gibson's in a movie, you assume that there's going to be underlying racism. If there are specific actors in movies, you kind of know what you're getting, right? Tom Wilson is the perfect NHL villain because he always gives you what you know he's going to give you. He'll take a dude's head off, spin around, not miss a beat, and slash a guy in the shins. It's who he is. He's Williams. He's Carey. He's racist. What? I melted the takes. 412-922-2874 is the number. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Brian left. I think he's dying. I keep hacking up a lung every time I get off the air. I talk for 15 minutes. The second I stop talking, I start hacking up a lung. The Penguins, as far as I'm concerned, don't need to win anything else for the Crosby air to be a success. But don't you dare tell them that. We had Rossi on. At the end of the Penguins season, he's writing the biography for Evgeny Malkin. And Malkin told him that when they were skating off the ice and he was shaking the hand of Alexander Ovechkin, he was telling him, yeah, good luck, but it's ours next year. I'm paraphrasing, but something along those lines. Sidney Crosby sounds incredibly motivated. Not that he ever isn't, but I do think he's paying attention to the Washington Capitals tonight. I do think he watched playoff games. Now, I do think that that's Sidney Crosby. That's what he does. That's who he is. So I think that they're all motivated because they think that that thing belongs to them now. They know how hard it is to win it, but they know that they need to take it back. And because it's so hard to win, they also want to win it more than ever because time's starting to run out. Jim Rutherford talked the other day about windows closing and 
Mike Sullivan clo- talked about windows closing and how it's probably open longer than people think and yada, yada, yada. Fine. But they're on the backside of their career. This is as old as Lemieux was when he retired. Sidney Crosby, 31 years old. That's when Lemieux retired the first time. That's how old he was. So the window is starting to close. They're motivated to go out there and get it. But as far as their legacies are concerned, Crosby and Malkins, they don't need to win anything else. They've done everything that's expected of them, right? There's always that player or that team that doesn't know how to win, right? That doesn't know how to get it done when the rubber meets the road. They don't know how to win the big one. That's what you always hear. Don't know how to win the big game. Manning couldn't until he did. And then he did again. Cower couldn't until he did. Ovechkin couldn't until he did. After that point, nobody cared anymore. Nobody said those things. Uh, The narrative for Ovechkin will never be he can't win the big one. It'll be, hey, remember that time he did? With Cower, it's remember that time he won the big one in 2005 with Manning? It's remember when he won? Remember when they beat the Bears in the rain? Oh, my gosh, it was awesome. Remember when they won again with the Denver Broncos? The Penguins were on pace to be the Braves of the 1990s. After they won it in 2016, they were no longer that team. They were the team that was put together to win multiple Stanley Cup championships, and they did win multiple Stanley Cup championships. Then in 2017, when they won that one, they became the dynasty that they were always supposed to be. You're put together to win multiple championships. That makes you feel good. But then when you win that third one, you go into dynastic territory. There's a salary cap. Players are moving all over the league. You can't afford, typically, you'd think, to keep a Crosby and a Malkin together. And if you do, you'd think that the rest of the roster would have to be sacrificed. It wasn't the case. They win in 16. They win in 17. They become the dynasty in the modern-day National Hockey League. And if you win one more, I think it's gravy. If they go to the Eastern Conference Final from here until the end of Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin's career and don't bust through, it's still a success. Doesn't mean that they can't win it this year. Doesn't mean they can't win it next year. Doesn't mean they can't win it the year after that. Doesn't mean they won't win a couple more. But if they don't, and it is so hard to do, I think we can all understand that we saw the greatest area of Pittsburgh Penguins hockey. Era is the word I was supposed to say. Lemieux won it twice. Yager won it twice. Crosby and Malkin have already surpassed that. They've lived up to the expectations. Everything else is gravy. What say you? 412-922-2874. The great unsponsored football segment filled with knowledge and fun brought to you by To Be Determined will be coming up in about 10 minutes here on the show. Tim Benz will be joining us at 6 to continue the hockey talk. Also, dive in with some football takes of his own. The Penguins are missing a number of key elements last year in the playoffs. The one that I think irritated me the most that they didn't have is something that they've had in every one of their cup championships with Crosby and Malkin, and that's a third-line center who's dynamite. 2009, you had Jordan Stahl. He was outstanding. Uh, He scored the shorthanded goal in game number three 
that really set the Stanley Cup back up to be the Penguins to win. In 2016, you had Nick Bonino, the HBK line. 2017, you had Nick Bonino, who was blocking every flipping shot that any team was throwing towards the net. Last year, that was not to be found. The guy was on the roster, but he wasn't playing like it. And I know that I've criticized Phil Kessel already in this program for his bad playoffs last year. There's a built-in excuse there. He was hurt. There's a built-in excuse for Derek Broussard. He was hurt, too. A groin injury, lower body, could have been his nuts, no idea. But he was hurt so much so that it affected his timing. It affected his ability to create chemistry with his teammates. And then whenever he did come back healthy, there was no opportunity to get that back. What the Penguins needed from Derek Broussard last year, what they need from him this year, is similar to what Jordan Stahl did. Back in 09, it's similar to what Nick Bonino did the last two years. But to go even closer than that, I think you need what Lars Eller was able to do for the Washington Capitals last year. Lars Eller, I don't think, is as good of a player as Derek Broussard. Yet in the playoffs last year, he had 18 points in 24 playoff games. Derek Broussard had 3 in 12. So if you extrapolate it, if the Penguins had played 24 playoff games, he'd have had 12 points, or 6 points, pardon me. That's not good enough. That's three times less than what Lars Eller was able to do for that team. And Broussard's a better player. The other thing Lars Eller did was Backstrom got hurt, and he slid up and down the lineup. Lars Eller could play in the second line. He could play on the first line. He gave them some huge, stanking minutes. Huge minutes. Big goals, seven of them. If Derek Broussard could be the guy who plays up and down the lineup this year, and you hope that they don't need it, but if he could be that guy, they needed it last year with Malkin getting hurt, then the Penguins have a legitimate shot to get the third Stanley Cup championship in four years. And if he doesn't have to move up and down the lineup, just to have him on that third line, I think if he's healthy, he scores 20 goals at least for the Penguins this year. I think he's that kind of player. I said last year, not only were the Penguins setting up for a championship now, they're setting up for a championship next year with Derek Broussard in the final year of his contract. Uh, So many people wanted to write off Derek Broussard as a flop because he couldn't win the championship with the Penguins last year because he wasn't good enough. And I had to remind people, yo, they got him again for this year. Uh, You can't look at everything in a vacuum. Oh, he needs to be great. He can only be great this year. If not, let's trade him. How many trade conversations do you think the Penguins themselves had surrounding Broussard? I don't think that many, but the fan base, holy hell, you had a bunch. Columnists, radio hosts, trade Broussard, find a way to bring in a left winger. Penguins are stacked at forward. Center depth's how they've won before. Center depth is how Washington won last year. Center depth is going to ha- be how they do it again this year. I'm happy they didn't trade him. I think he'll be great. I think a lot of you will be eating your words. 412-922-2874. Coming up next, we got Bernard Clark, head coach of the Robert Morris University Colonials football team and the great unsponsored football segment filled with knowledge and fun. Brought to you by To Be Determined. TSP in Pittsburgh. The Adam Crowley Show. Maybe I decide those teats don't need milking. Oh, it's close. That was close. Maybe I decide those teats don't need milking. Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. The others don't need a squeezing.
show's moving really quickly today. A lot going on. I'm also under the influence of NyQuil or DayQuil. I don't really know what I'm taking. Somebody just handed me pills. Not a good way to go through life. Brian's no longer in here because he's sick. Wes is downstairs. He's sick. Brian had to take over for him. Everyone is dying up in here. Got the great unsponsored football segment filled with knowledge and fun brought to you by To Be Determined coming up in a few minutes. Got Tim Benz at the top of the hour. Right now, we're joined by Robert Morris University Colonials head coach, Bernard Clark. Coach, how you doing today? Doing great, Adam. How you doing, buddy? Uh, doing very good, my man. Uh, you guys had the bye week. Uh, you have the tough, close loss to Bryant. How much of the bye week is self-scouting? How much is looking ahead to future opponents? The entire year, the last week was self-scouting, no doubt about that. Just trying to fix those holes we had, just trying to, especially on defense. Just more tackling than anything else. We did a couple more tackling drills, changed up our tackling drills, and made sure we got gap integrity and everything else we need to do on defense. And just uh, put some more plays in on offense, just to make sure our guys are picking up well. You look at the first, I guess, third of the season here. What is it about, what do you think you know about your football team? What can, you already said what you could improve upon a little bit there, but um, what are some of your better qualities, your identity, you think? The Mito Lions, which is the great thing I like about them right now, they're still fighting. They're still fighting to the end. We're still trying to learn how to win more than anything else, but they're still fighting. They're putting in the work they need to put in. They're still busting their behinds in practice. So they're working hard. That's the great thing about it. They have an identity of working hard and wanting to win. So it's not a situation of they're not busting their butts and everybody's doing everything they can to win football games. It's just a matter of getting the uh, thing turned around. You've got uh, Central Connecticut State coming up this weekend uh, after the bye week, uh, the open date. Um, where do they do well? What kind of challenges do they present? The toughest thing about Central Connecticut is the simple fact they were the, they're the reigning uh, conference champions right now. They returned nine starters on offense, including the quarterback who led them to the uh, conference championship last year, and also they returned four starters on defense. The biggest thing they have is they're a senior-based team or anything else. They've got a seniors. They've got about four seniors on the offense line, four guys returned there. They've got a senior quarterback. Uh, defensively, got a lot of seniors. So they're, you know, they're a team that's uh, with a lot of knowledge more than anything else. And right now on defense, we're starting four freshmen, <laughs> true freshmen. So that's the crazy thing about it right now. So they got a, good, a lot of great experience. A good time then to have the bye week, Coach? Real good time to have a bye week. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. When you bring it in the uh, conference champs, it's real good time to have a bye week and get ready for them or anything else. And I think the guys are prepared well. Like I said, they prepare hard. And they've also prepared smart. That's the great thing about it. We're looking forward to seeing how you guys do on Saturday. Uh, Coach, thank you for taking the time. And a big one after that, we'll be talking about Robert Morris and Duquesne. Thanks, Adam. I appreciate it. No doubt about it. And uh, I'm taking a little NyQuil, too, tonight. So I'm on the same page you're on. <laughs> it's a changing temperature, <laughs> man. It just It's tough. No doubt about it. No Take care, Coach. It. Take care, buddy. That is Bernard Clark. I like that guy. I like him a lot, and I think the football program is moving in the right direction with him because he does push them to bust their ass. And self-scouting? Got to tackle better? Got a senior-laden team? Big-time challenge coming up against Central Connecticut State. Before we get to the great unsponsored football segment filled with knowledge and fun brought to you by To Be Determined, Tom, are you rooting for the plucky... Oakland A's, or are you rooting for no way the New give York the, Yankees? Give me the evil empire, Emperor Palpatine, Darth Vader, Steinbrenner, New York Yankees. I want them all day. Playoff baseball goes to another level when you get a Yankees-Red Sox. Yes! When you get a Yankees-Red yes! Sox. And by the way, that rivalry is back, folks. I don't know if you watched earlier in the year. Those two teams hate each other this year. 
I mean, they had like four or five bench clearing brawls during their series throughout the season. I can't wait to see that amped up in the playoffs. Screw the A's. Get out of here, Billy Bean. I like Billy Bean. I like the A's, even though I can't name one of them. But that's why I want the Yankees to win. I can name all the Yankees. Plus, they've got McCutcheon. They've got Neil Walker. I want to see those guys do well. So I'm rooting for them tonight. And I think baseball is better off when you've got the high-profile teams in there. The Dodgers, the Cardinals, the Yankees, the Red Sox, the bigger markets. And if you look at the American League right now, the matchups are so sexy if you just kick Oakland out of it. Oakland versus Boston uh, doesn't do it for me in the divisional series. Indians-Houston, oh my God. You want to talk about that pitching matchup? It's wet. Uh, You want to talk about Boston-New York? That's badass. The only thing that was missing is the Cubs winning to set up a great series with the Brewers, the two best teams in the National League playing in the first series. And then what's the other series going on in the NL? you got the Dodgers and the Braves, which is the actually Braves. pretty exciting. Yeah. Braves are a young, exciting team. I should go one step further with the uh, you want the Cubs to win to face the Brewers. The dream scenario would have been for the Cardinals to sneak into the playoffs in that second wild card spot, beat the Brewers, and then have Cubs-Cardinals, kind of the Yankees-Red Sox of the NL on that side, too. Oh. That's real playoff baseball. Give me Giants-Dodgers. Can we sneak the Giants yeah, in back door? The Giants in there. They make it in. They I mean, can't. The Rockies. Get out of here, Rockies. A's. Matt Holiday. Stupid. Who are the other? They have some other old players that shouldn't still be playing Carlos baseball. Carlos Gonzalez. Eh, he's still good. He's old, though. Would you consider Carlos Gonzalez old now? I would definitely consider I think he's like 35 years old, 36 years what? old. What? Yeah. I'm looking it up. I can't name an A. I'm trying my hardest right now. I can't name one. Cargo's 32. Does Billy Bean count? Oh. Yes. Right? Absolutely. Yes. He's the ultimate A. They're not here today without him. I read Moneyball. The movie was better. No. Isn't that how that works? No. Okay. What time is it, Tom? And now it's time for the great unsponsored football segment filled with knowledge and fun. Brought to you by To Be Determined. If you had to watch one team for the rest of the year in the NFL and only could watch their games, which team would you watch? This should have been part of the burning questions yesterday. This is a hot, hot, wait, actually, hold on. Oh, hot, 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 hot. This this one's one of your spiciest ones yet. I'm trapped. There are only two teams in the conversation for me. Are they the two undefeated teams? The Rams and the Chefs? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Who else would you rather watch? There's no one else playing, like, really kick-ass football right now. The Bears are intriguing because they do enough on the offensive side that Chiefs like in terms of the scheme. But then it's Trubisky doing it, and it's not Pat Mahomes. Their defense is, I think, must-watch TV. If little, you're not little throwback of the yeah, defense. Yeah, exactly. If you're not trapped in this game that we're playing here. I think the NFL's better off when the Chicago Bears are good. I root for them. They remind me a lot of Pittsburgh Steelers fans. They 
talk about defense all the time. Oh, we had one of the best defense ever in 1985 Bears. It's a cold, wetter town. Uh, we play go up in the AFC North. We get to, I don't know why Ed Orgeron's having this conversation. We get to go up to Lambeau Field. Why the hell are the Detroit Lions playing inside, they say? Because they're a bunch of tough guys, right? Tough Bears. So I think NFL's better off with them, but they don't enter this conversation for me. I think the Saints are honorable mention. Uh, last year, I put them in that category. They were so fun to watch. But to me, it's clearly between the Chiefs and the Rams, and here's why it's difficult for me. The Rams are great on both sides of the ball, and they've got must-watch players on both sides of the ball. Gurley, Goff on offense. On defense, you've got Aaron Donald, who is, I think, the most fun defensive player in the game to watch, not named Khalil Mack, even though I think he's better than Khalil Mack. But I kind of lean towards Chiefs because their defense isn't good, which means they're always going to be in shootouts. And if you're a Big 12 football fan like I am, then that's the kind of ball you want to watch. So I'm actually going to go Kansas City Chiefs. Plus, you get to check out those games in Arrowhead Stadium. I fell in love with the Chiefs as kind of my mistress team as a kid when Priest Holmes ran all over the Steelers. I think it was game one of the season, like 2002. Or, nah, that was Patriots. It was first game of the season back in the day. Priest Holmes runs all over them, and it's just a sea of red. I was amazed by it. Their uniforms are sick, so I'm going Chiefs. Who are you going, Tom? I think I have to agree with you in what? the end. I, and it's only because of Pat Mahomes. He's just a freak of nature to watch. Jared Goff is almost just as good, but it's it's like a different kind of good. Do you know what I mean? It's almost like a more controlled kind of good, where Mahomes is like that gunslinger kind of good. Like the, the People say this all the time now, so it's going to sound stupid and cliche, but it's Brett Favre again out there. It really is. Eagles honorable mention, too, but like you can't go out and lose to the Titans and want me to watch every week. Like, what the hell is that about? You know what, man? They've got that 2006 Pittsburgh Steelers feel to them. Like, slow start, but all the pieces are there and it comes together at the right place. No, that was 2005. Okay. No, the year so after they won the let Super down Bowl. After winning a Super yes. Bowl, you know, Carson Wentz, Wonder Boy's back. Expectations are high. Come in way short. Yes, I, I could see that happening, even though the roster is outstanding. And I think people are already writing them off. I did. I didn't even mention them in the segment. You brought them up. Good on you, Tom. All we need to do, and knock on wood and bless yourself and do all the things you need to do to make sure this doesn't happen, but for it to be the 2006 Steelers, Carson Wentz needs to go flying through a car's windshield and then get appendicitis and then go out to Oakland and throw 18 interceptions. So maybe they're not quite there yet. I don't think there are any other teams that qualify. I kind of want to watch the Browns now. I mean, they don't they don't fit. I mean, they're they're way 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 below in terms of must watch TV. There's just intrigue with any rookie quarterback. Yes. Patriots. Once the machine starts to get going again, I feel like you know it's it is fun to watch. I've seen it before though. That's true. It's it's fresh with the Rams and the Chiefs. The Chiefs have been waiting for a long time. Kansas City's been waiting for a long time for this football team. I mean, they had the Montana years. He comes in, he played well. That's all they were talking about on Monday Night Football was, oh, the Montana moment. Now they finally got their young quarterback. They have a look kind of into what the future of their organization is. And that's just, I'm, I'm jealous of them. I mean, Pat Mahomes is going to be there for the next 15 years. He's sprinting to his right. 
as fast as he can go, throws it off his back foot on a line on a second and 30, and they wound up going down and win the damn football game. He's special. And I realize a lot of people were saying the same things last year about Deshaun Watson. This looks like it's got more staying power, doesn't it? Because Pat Mahomes has always been looked at as the guy who can slang the rock. I think a lot of people look at Deshaun Watson as a guy who is a running quarterback who sometimes can throw the rock. Mahomes is accurate. He's mobile when he needs to be. He's big and strong. He can throw the ball farther than any quarterback I think I've ever seen. So if I had to watch one team the rest of the year, it's the Kansas City Chiefs. Big 12 quarterback, baby. One more thing in the great unsponsored football segment filled with knowledge and fun brought to you by To Be Determined. There are two teams I want to see Will Greer go to. Oh, Jesus. Denver? Or the Giants? Ew. The Giants, for sure. That's the best spot for him to land. And they're definitely going to be picking the range where Will Greer will fall to. Like that mid to late first round. Mid first round for the Giants. Will Greer handing the ball off to Saquon Barkley? That'd be my must-watch Denver? You think Denver's going to take a quarterback? I mean, Case Keenum, really. Go with me on this. I paid him $18 million a season to miss the whole shot down the sideline and cover two. Come on now! When Case Keenum's playing football for the Broncos, doesn't it look like John Elway tried to clone himself in a lab, but it went completely wrong? (laughs) Right? Like, he kind of has the same mannerism and the same, like, buck teeth as John Elway did, but, like, it's just everything about him is just a little bit off. He wears number four instead of number seven. Watch, watch next week when you see Denver and you see Case Keenum play. You'll know I'm not crazy. He looks just like John Elway, but like just a little off. I think that they tried to do some lab things with Peyton Manning to make him regrow his neck and get better at the end of his career. And what happened there was that they actually made Brock Osweiler turn into this Frankenstein monster. There's precedent there for these sort of scientific experiments with quarterbacks. That's why I'm reaching this conclusion. They were trying to heal Peyton as quickly as possible. What they wound up doing was making a two times as big normal quarterback whose arm was as weak still as Peyton Manning's, and that's Brock Osweiler. That's the great unsponsored football segment filled with knowledge and fun brought to you by To Be Determined. Coming up next, Tim Benz joins us to talk about Latang, Murray, Kessel, and Broussard, and also about the Steelers and their horrendous start to the 2018 season.